Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 76. Today's episode is all about how to stress less and accomplish more through meditation. We've lost the ability to be fully present right here, right now. And the thing that's doing that is all those open windows. And that is the left brain's job, by the way, is to review the past and rehearse the future. And the left brain is not bad, but what we do in this type of meditation is we take our right brain to the gym, which is our present moment awareness. So when people are saying like, oh, be mindful, or I'm going to practice mindfulness, to me, mindfulness is almost a benefit or a byproduct of doing the meditation work. You get in, you do the meditation, you eradicate that backlog of stresses from your nervous system, and then you have more consciousness, you have more mindfulness, you have more energy to be here and now. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi friends and wild women. First things first, if you haven't yet subscribed, please press the subscribe button. It really helps with the growth of the show. And if you love the show and really want to show your support, please support one of my amazing sponsors or leave a five-star review. I'm so grateful for all of you that took the time to leave reviews last week. My favorite review of the week came from Kachele. These review names are kind of made up, so I might not be pronouncing them right. She says, in love, I am obsessed. I came across this podcast when I really needed it the most. Melissa's voice is so soothing and she makes everything so easy to understand. This podcast feeds my soul. Honestly, that review fed my soul, so thank you. I am excited for today's episode because the topic was much needed for me, and I know it will be for many of you out there as well. We are going deep into meditation. Over the last few years, I've really tried making meditation a habit, and about a year ago, it finally stopped feeling like such a struggle and just became part of my routine. But because I'm human, I fell off the wagon last month and was missing more days than I was actually meditating. And I have to say, I could feel it. My brain wasn't working the same way it was before. I was getting more distracted, less motivated, and as crazy as it sounds, things just weren't flowing into my life quite as well as they had while I was meditating regularly. Well, whenever this happens with any habits in my life, it really helps me to re-educate myself, to remind myself of what's really happening in my brain or my body, because otherwise, it's really easy to justify all the reasons why maybe meditation just isn't so important, but this Netflix binge totally is. Today, we're bringing on someone who I first heard on another podcast, actually a few of them, but I think it was Aubrey Marcus, and I thought, I have to have her on Mind Love. So I reached out, scheduled an interview, and was so stoked about it, and then I ran into her in person at a friend's place. So this is totally serendipitous and meant to happen. 
Her name is Emily Fletcher, and she's the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for extraordinary performance. There's just something about the way Emily explains meditation. She makes it fun and easy and really accessible. And I think part of that is because she says that most of the meditation that we are used to or that we hear about was designed for monks who are dedicating their entire lives to being Zen and finding stillness, not regular people doing regular shit all day. So I read her book, learned her style of meditation, and suddenly I am right back on that bandwagon. I am absolutely loving this style of meditation. And what I love about it so much is that you actually become self-sufficient in your meditation practice. You can do it No matter where you are, no matter what you have, you can be in a swimsuit on the beach with no phone, no apps, no headphones, and still have your best meditation yet without feeling like you were missing out because you didn't have your device. I love meditation apps. I think there's a place for them. And they were so critical in introducing me to the concept of really creating a habit around meditation. But for the longest time, I felt completely reliant on them. So if you're struggling with starting your meditation practice or falling off the bandwagon, don't worry, Emily Fletcher is here. Her book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, debuted number seven out of all of the books on Amazon. She's also been on the New York Times, the Today Show, Vogue, ABC News, and she's been named the top 100 women in wellness to watch. So today, three key things we will learn are the point of meditation and how it changes our brains, how stress from even 20 years ago can still live in your body, and why meditation is five times more restful than sleep. Before we dive in, I want to share the easiest way to start each day with a positive mindset. Thousands of other wild women are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power that are the perfect addition to your morning routine. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless based on proven principles from the most successful people to automate your best self. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set to a magical binaural frequency known as the miracle tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. Go to mindlove.com to sign up, or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 444-999. That's MORNING to 444-999. And now let's welcome Emily Fletcher to the show. I am so stoked to be here. So to start out, what's your story and how did you become so interested in meditation? So I was on Broadway for 10 years doing what I thought was my dream, but it pretty quickly turned into my nightmare. Like three weeks after I got my Broadway debut was the saddest I'd ever been because I realized at a pretty early age, I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit of happiness. But I just thought, well, okay, well, my happiness must be in the next Broadway show or the next boyfriend or the next zero in my bank account. And I did that chasing for about 10 years. And then finally, my last Broadway show was a chorus line where I was understudying three of the lead roles, which means you show up to the theater with no idea which character you're going to play. 
And so sometimes I would just be like thrown into a costume on stage and into a six page song and or I would just be chilling in my dressing room doing my taxes and someone would say, Emily Fletcher, we need you on stage. And I would start panicking. So anyway, this constant anxiety started leading to insomnia. I couldn't sleep for the night for 18 months. I started going gray at 27. I started getting sick and injured. And it was really confusing why I was doing the thing I had wanted to do since I was a child, but I was miserable. And so thankfully, the woman sitting next to me in the dressing room, she was understudying five of the lead roles, including Cassie. I was only understudying three. And this woman was nailing it. Every song, every dance, every bite of food was a celebration. And I said, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I didn't really believe her. I just rolled my eyes and kept having insomnia and going gray and sucking at my job. And then finally, I said, I have to try something. So I went along to this talk. I liked what I heard. I signed up for this four-day course. And on the first day of my first course, I was meditating. I didn't know what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness than I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was 11 years ago. And then I stopped going gray. I turned 40 last week and I have like one gray hair. I was legitimately going gray in my late twenties. I stopped getting sick. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped getting injured. And so I thought, why does everyone not do this? So I left Broadway. I went to India and I started what became a three-year training process to teach And then since graduating, I've taught over 17,000 people to meditate, and we created the world's first online meditation training. And now I just came out with this book that's doing very well and sort of making this stuff available to a more mainstream audience. And I feel like that's really my role in this big meditation movement is to make this stuff super accessible, super attractive, and palatable to a pragmatic audience. And the thing is, most people don't meditate because they either think they're failing because they can't clear their mind or they think they're too busy. And I feel like we've solved both of those problems at Ziva. So it seems like you were pretty successful with meditation from the first time you tried it, whereas it seems like other people try and try and still feel like a failure or that it never quite fits them. So what do you think was different about your experience and what so many other people are experiencing? Mm. Well, I think for a lot of people who are not monks are trying to do a meditation practice that was designed for monks. And so that's why they feel like they're trying to achieve something that they can't and they feel like they're failing and they feel frustrated because they can't clear their mind because it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work. Like if you're not a monk and you're trying to do monastic meditation practices, you're always going to feel like you're failing. And even some of the most popular apps out there were actually designed by monks or derivation of things that were designed for monks. And the cool thing about Ziva is that even though it's based on a 6,000-year-old practice, it was designed for people with busy minds and busy lives. It's designed for what we call householders in India, meaning that it's designed to make you better at life. And so it's all about finding the meditation practice that suits you versus trying to be good at something that you weren't meant to be good at. (laughs) And the thing is, most people think that the point of meditation is to clear their minds. And so then they go in and they're like, okay, brain, stop thinking. And then they're like, I want some snacks. And they're like, snacks are delicious. They're like, oh no, now I'm thinking about snacks. Oh, I suck at meditation. I quit. And that's the beginning and the end of most people's career. And it makes me sad because they potentially rob themselves of a lifetime of better performance and bliss and fulfillment because they're judging themselves based on misinformation. So I think that it worked for me because A, I was ready and B, I was willing to invest the time in actually getting trained. 
I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can't meditate, but they never actually learned how to do it. Like it's a skill, like any other skill. And if you don't take the time to learn, then of course it's always going to feel like you're failing. And so I actually was in a course, you know, it was a matriculation. It was designed to make me self-sufficient. And that's very different than downloading a free app and having someone guide you through a guided visualization or just sitting in a chair and being like, well, this is simple. I should be able to do it. And because the thing is, we sometimes confuse simplicity for weakness in the West. And I think that the power in this practice comes from the simplicity. It's the opposite of weak. I felt the same way when I first started meditating. First of all, I was just bored. I thought it was the most boring 15 minutes I've ever had. Actually, I'm pretty sure I started with five and it was still excruciating to get through. Mm -hmm. And over time, it did definitely get easier. And I imagined it even then that my brain was changing in order to handle this new activity I was giving it. But Tim Ferriss said something a long time ago that changed the way I viewed meditation. He said something along the lines of, Sometimes in his meditations, his brain will be running a mile a minute and it'll finally quiet down just before the meditation ends. But he knows it's done its job. It's cleaned house. So I thought, oh, maybe I've just had the wrong expectations about this this whole time. Maybe thoughts are okay. Yeah. It's not only okay, it is the point. Like I am want to say we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. And where a lot of people mess themselves up is that they go in trying to have some blissful, clear, thoughtless experience during the meditation. And then they just feel like they're failing and they feel frustrated and then they quit. But if you realize that, oh no, I'm doing this meditation thing so that the rest of my day can be more enjoyable, so I can be more creative, more productive, have more energy, a better immune system, deeper sleep, you know, increased sex drive, increased brain elasticity, which are all scientifically proven benefits of this thing then you stop caring quite so much about whether or not you enjoyed the 20 minutes itself. And in Ziva Online and what I teach in the book, it's actually only 15 minutes twice a day. If you're trying to enjoy those 15 or 20 minutes, then chances are you're not going to enjoy or get the benefits of. But it's like, if you just want to enjoy 15 minutes, go get high, like drink some wine. There's (laughs) lots of things you can do to feel nice for 15 or 20 minutes. That is not the point of this type of meditation. What is actually going on in our brains and bodies when we're meditating? How can meditation have so many benefits across the board? And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. 
He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. How can meditation have so many benefits across the board? It's a really good question. And sometimes I feel like a used car salesman when I'm like, meditation does this and this and this and this and this. And so a lot of people are like, how on earth can meditation help so many different things? But I think the better question that we should be asking is how to stress mess up so many different things. And, you know, Harvard Medical School is saying that stress is responsible for 90% of all doctors visits. Doctors are calling it the black plague of our century. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that stress is not doing us any favors in the performance department, the health department, sleep department. And if you would just want to run a quick experiment, it's like think about any ailment that you have in your own life from a breakup to a skinned knee to a cold to a move or anything. And then ask the question, does stress make this thing worse or better? <laughs> no, unless your predicament is that you're trying to lift a car off of a baby or that you're currently outrunning a tiger, you know, then the answer is it makes it worse. Like stress, it's become maladaptive. Like because we launch into an antiquated fight or flight stress response, and because most of our modern day demands are not predatory attacks, then what happens physiologically is not serving us in the performance or intellectual or physical arenas. So basically, when you go in and you utilize this type of meditation, which at Ziva, you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And that's not an insignificant point, because when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. Now, interestingly, in this type of meditation, you're not only healing your stress from the now, but you're actually going in and de-exciting the nervous system, which helps to heal your stress from the past. And this is an interesting distinction is that mindfulness, which is what most of the free apps are out there, most of the drop-in studios or YouTube videos, any sort of guided visualization, I'm putting in the category of mindfulness. And that is very good at dealing with your stress in the now. Like the whole point is to create a state change. Like my boss yelled at me, I got stressed. So I did 10 minutes of headspace or calm and I feel better in the now. Awesome. What Ziva's interested in is it's getting rid of all that stress from your past, all that stuff that has been stored in your cellular. And now we know epigenetic memory. It's that buildup of that chronic stress over time that is really costing us in performance capabilities. So if you go in and start to get rid of that, that's what's up leveling your cognitive and physical performance. Now, the other benefits that happen is that it can cure insomnia. We have like a 90% success rate with insomnia at Ziva because Basically, if you start using these two meditations a day for as a time for stress release, your body can start to use your sleep as a time for sleep. An unexpected benefit is a lot of people report that their IBS goes away. And that was news to me because I didn't have that and I don't advertise it. I don't talk about it on my website. But I'd say it's like our number three benefit that people report is like my IBS went away. That's irritable bowel syndrome. And so to really fully understand like why meditation can create all these benefits, we really want to understand what stress is doing physiologically to the body. And basically, if a tiger were to jump out and attack you, your digestion would flood with acid to shut down digestion because you need all of your energy to fight or flee the tiger. 
That same acid will seep onto your skin so you don't taste very good if you get bitten into by the tiger. Bladder and bowels evacuate. Adrenaline and cortisol levels increase. Immune system goes to the back burner. All so that you can have the greatest chance of survival from this predator. So it's very useful if your demands are tiger attacks, but in our modern day society, our demands are deadlines and emails and Instagram followers and traffic and in-laws and all that. So the fight or flight thing has become maladaptive. And so if you've been running around in this low grade chronic fight or flight, and you've been having that acid drip of adrenaline and cortisol in your digestive system, that over time can lead to inflammation. And chronic inflammation is the basis of all chronic disease. And so if you go in and you get rid of those acidic stress chemicals like adrenaline and cortisol, and you start flooding the brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are alkaline in nature, then you can create a trigger of like healing benefits. So curing IBS is one of them, but that decrease in inflammation can change everything from arthritis to skin elasticity to skin issues to even over time, like brain degenerative diseases, we know that inflammation is not helping them. So I'm not claiming that meditation can single-handedly cure any of these things. But what I am suggesting is that if you decrease your baseline level of inflammation, you're going to set your body up to be able to run its own healing mechanisms in the way that nature designed. Also, if your immune system isn't constantly preparing for a tiger attack, then it can clean house and function as it was designed. So your immune system just becomes stronger to help with almost any ailment. Oh, the other quick thing is that it can also reverse your body age by somewhere between 8 to 15 years. And that's because we know that stress shortens the telomeres, which is like little casings at the end of your chromosomes. And so as they weaken and shorten, it has a direct impact on your body age and your death date. And so with meditation, we can strengthen and lengthen those telomeres, which can help reverse body age. I don't think most people really understand how much our bodies hold on to stress. They view it more like a moment to moment thing, or maybe you can still be stressed out from something that happened yesterday or last week, but only if that issue is still prevalent in your life. But in reality, it's almost more transactional. If you develop a certain amount of stress and you haven't released that, your body can be carrying it for years and even building it up with current stressful situations. So it can overload. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Like sleep is not a deep enough form of rest to handle the level of demand that most of us are under in this modern day and age. You know, we're eating food that isn't food. We're looking at lights that aren't light. You know, we've got computer screens instead of sun in our eyes all day. We are going to bed way past sun going down. We sleep way past sun going up. We're in planes and trains and automobiles and cigarette smoke and pharmaceuticals in our water. And, you know, it's like, and it sounds really scary. And it, some of it is really scary. But if, so basically all of those things that I just mentioned are you're asking your body to adapt. It's burning up what I call adaptation energy. And if you're burning up your adaptation energy at that rate, just, just sleeping is not really going to cut it if you really want to maximize your performance capabilities. And to your point about the body like storing old stresses, there's a phenomenon called premature cognitive commitments or PCCs. And basically anytime you've ever launched into a fight or flight stress reaction, it's left a little open window on your brain machine. And so what the meditation does is that it goes in and well, first of all, in order to survive, we have to minimize those windows, you know, and that's why you think that the dog that barked in your face when you were 10, it's no big deal now because it left an open window on your brain machine, but then in order to survive, you minimized it. 
And by the time we're the average human is 20 years old, we have approximately 10 million of those premature cognitive commitments in our brain. So it's like 10 million open windows that are just wasting our mental and physical energy. So what we do with the meditation is it goes in and it maximizes that window so that you can click X and get rid of it. And then the cool thing is that once it's gone, it's gone forever. And it takes time. It's not a quick fix. But after a couple of years of meditating, you start to have like significantly more energy because you're not constantly reviewing the past or rehearsing the future. <laughs> That's such a good example, given that we just had to both restart our computers because there were too many windows open. <laughs> Boom. That's exactly right. <laughs> this is our second Skype recording. We had a bunch of calls this morning and I think it was, it was slowing down the computer. And if you think about it, like last, remember last time you read a book and you maybe read like half a chapter and they're like, wait, what did I just even read? Or you pick up your phone to check the weather and then you go down an Instagram hole and you're like, wait, why did I even pick up my phone? Or you're at a party having a conversation with someone and you're too busy scanning the room to see if there's anyone more interesting that you can't even hear what they're saying. It's like, we've lost the ability to be fully present right here, right now. And the thing that's doing that is all those open windows. And that is the left brain's job, by the way, is to review the past and rehearse the future. And the left brain is not bad, but what we do in this type of meditation is we take our right brain to the gym, which is our present moment awareness. So when people are saying like, oh, be mindful, or I'm going to practice mindfulness, to me, mindfulness is almost a benefit or a byproduct of doing the meditation work. You get in, you do the meditation, you eradicate that backlog of stresses from your nervous system, and then you have more consciousness, you have more mindfulness, you have more energy to be here and now, which is how I would define mindfulness, the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And you can sort of white knuckle that and make yourself come back, come back, come back, which is a little bit more rigid and monastic. Or you can do this sort of householder practice, eradicate the stress from your nervous system, and then just innocently and spontaneously be more mindful and more present, which I think is just more fun. How come sleep isn't as deep of a rest as meditation? You'd almost think it would be the opposite since you're laying there unconscious for eight hours versus seated awake for 15 minutes. So what is different about the way sleep and meditation works differently in our brains and our bodies? It's not that it's, and you're right. I say that in this type of meditation, it's giving your body rest. that's five times deeper than sleep. And that's kind of true. But what's more accurate is that the sleep and the meditation are different forms of rest. So different things are happening in the body when you sleep versus when you meditate. And so if we want to understand that, we can go back into the saber-toothed tiger example and say it's 10,000 years ago, a tiger's roaming around and it's time for you to go to sleep. And so if you've ever watched someone as they fall asleep, in the beginning, their breathing is normal. And when their brain clicks over into sleep state, their breathing changes and suddenly it's... They start breathing quite deeply. They start revving quite high. Now, the reason that that happens is that if your brain is in blackout sleep, you need heart and lungs and blood to be oxygenated so that if that tiger comes in, by the time you wake up mentally, you're ready to launch into fight or flight. Now, the exact opposite happens when we meditate. When we meditate, our body is getting this deep rest. So what I mean by that is that your metabolic rate actually slows. Now, don't worry. That doesn't mean you're going to gain weight. What that means is that your breathing slows. Your breathing gets more shallow, okay? And then your heart rate slows and your body temperature cools. Now, here's the trick. Nature will not let you rest that deeply physically and be in blackout sleep mentally 
at the same time, because at that point you're in evolutionary liability. That tiger comes in by the time you wake up and then your body has to speed up to launch into fight or flight, your tiger snacks. So basically one or the other has to be on guard. When we're sleeping, brain is chilling, body's on guard. But when we're meditating, body's chilling, brain is on guard. So this is antithetical to everything everyone's ever told you about meditation. I'm like, oh, you'll just be deaf, dumb, and blind, and you shouldn't hear anything or think anything, and you'll just be in a chamber of nothingness. And when I share this to people, I find that they find it really liberating because they realize like, oh, meditation is not supposed to make me deaf. Like I still will hear. As a matter of fact, your eardrums work really well. It's almost like you have spidey senses when you're meditating. And it is that hyper mental alertness that is allowing your body to get such deep physical rest. And it is that deep physical rest that allows you to be more awake in your waking state. And that's the very mechanism that is allowing the body to eradicate the backlog of stresses, which is ultimately the thing that's ushering you into higher states of performance. It's basically like letting go of all the old stories that we have of meditation that we think we should clear our minds and it should be relaxing for 20 minutes and we shouldn't hear anything or think anything. But it's the opposite. It's like you might hate your meditation. It might be annoying and stressy and thought-filled and loud and ugh. And then you're still going to feel better on the other side. You're still going to perform better afterwards. And so I just keep beating this drum of we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. So it's not necessarily that it's a deeper form of rest, but it's a different phenomenon than sleep altogether. I'd like to clarify what you mean when you say different states of consciousness. I feel like half my listeners are like, oh, yes, I've already accessed 322 states of consciousness in the last week. And the other half might be like, well, I'm awake, I'm asleep, or I'm three glasses of wine in. Those are my three states of consciousness. So is accessing another state of consciousness and meditation always going to happen? Or are you looking for it? Or is it like seeing a rainbow and you should just be grateful when it comes? Well, I think if you go looking for it, then it gets further away. It's like a scared little kitty. So you can't go in chasing it. That's the same as going in and being like, all right, brain, stop thinking. So that doesn't work. But what I mean when I say a different state of consciousness is the three that most of us are very familiar with are waking, sleeping, and dreaming, right? So right now, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're awake, although I have been known to listen to a podcast as I fall asleep. <laughs> so there's waking, and then there's blackout sleep, and there's dreaming, right? And that most of us have been on a rat wheel of waking, sleeping, dreaming for a few decades. And now what we're doing with Ziva is that we're introducing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness. In Sanskrit, it's called Turiya, or the fourth. And in it, the right and left hemispheres of the brain are functioning in unison. Mind is very alert, but body is getting that deep rest that I was talking about. So it's that space right in between waking and sleeping. And this type of meditation is not the only way to access it. As a matter of fact, every time the human brain transitions between waking and sleeping, we move through a 30 second window of this chariya, or I call it the bliss field. You can access it for moments in like flow state or during sex or probably on some drugs. And so there's other ways to get there. It's just that this practice just gets there really quickly and sustainably and in a self-sufficient way so that you're not dependent on drugs or a sound bath or a dude playing drums on your chest or being in the middle of a sports tournament or a sexual partner. It's like you can just close your eyes and dive in versus having to have a lot of external stimulation to get there. Now, why would you even care about that or want that? It's because basically when you're doing this, you're accessing the very source of fulfillment. You're accessing the very source of bliss, the source of energy, the source of time, which is always found right inside of us. And so what we do is that we go inward. It's like we de-excite the nervous system 
and we access our least excited state of awareness. Right and left hemispheres of the brain start to function in unison. And then when we come out of the meditation, that fourth state of consciousness, that bliss field starts to permeate the other states of consciousness. It's like you start to be able to access that calm, quiet, inner contentedness, even in your waking state. And then after years of practice, sometimes even during your sleep and dreaming. I love that you differentiated between mindfulness and meditation because I realized accidentally I was using them as two different things. So when I first got into meditation, I was using the more guided meditations and started to feel like I was actually working when I was doing those. It was like it was guiding my thoughts, but I was still more alert and on. And I still definitely use those. They have a place for me, but they don't have the same place that my other meditations do, where I usually just set music in the background. I love the music section of Insight Timer. Tibetan singing bowls, binaural beats, harp. Oh, it's all so good. And in those meditations, I can just kind of let go. And it does feel very much like a deep rest for me. Well, you've also said that most of the meditation that people are used to was designed for monks. So what is different with what you teach with Ziva meditation that's more for us regular old householders? <laughs> I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams... 
Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. So what is different with what you teach with Ziva meditation that's more for us regular old householders? Yeah. So Ziva is actually a trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. So the three M's, that's what we teach in the book and the online course and in the live course, and just really to like the varying degrees of efficacy or power. So obviously the book is the gentlest and then Ziva online is a little bit more powerful. And then Ziva live, I would say, I call it like the Maserati of meditations. And so it's not to be pejorative or judgmental or to put anything down because at the end of the day, all roads lead to Rome. You know what I mean? Like all of these practices are going to bring you to the most amazing version of you. It's just, they're pretty different roads. And so if you're practicing exclusively mindfulness or something that is derived from a monastic practice, then it requires sometimes a little bit more discipline or a little bit more focus or a little bit more concentration. Or, you know, a lot of people, they're like, I have to come back, come back, come back to the breath, let go of my thoughts, just let them float by like a cloud. You know, if I have thoughts, just beat myself up for having them and then just come back and focus, focus, focus. And I spend a lot of my time at Ziva helping people to unlearn a lot of those habits. I call focus the F word at Ziva. I'm like, we don't focus at Ziva. We're not interested in concentration. We're not interested in controlling the mind. So just like when you fall into sleep at night, you don't really do anything and yet your body runs a whole host of healing functionality. It's very similar in this style of meditation. You're not really doing too much, and yet your body is running so many healing functionalities as you practice it. And you're increasing neuroplasticity, and you're increasing neurogenesis, and strengthening the corpus callosum, and increasing your intuition, and strengthening your immune system. But you're not really doing too much during the sitting itself, during the meditation portion, I should say. So we use mindfulness almost like as a runway or an appetizer into that surrender that is meditation. So if you think about most of the guided things, any app, any YouTube video, they're probably going to have you point your awareness somewhere. It's like a directed focus style of meditation. You might count your breaths, you might manipulate your breath in some way. And so we will do some of those things, but almost as a runway, as an appetizer, as a way to give my type A high performing students something to do to transition from the 60 miles an hour of their day into that like just goodbye, that surrendered restfulness that is meditation. Because for a lot of people, the hardest part is just that phase transition. It's hard for them to go from like going, going, going to just dropping in. That's the way we use mindfulness. The other way we use mindfulness is to help with the emotional and physical detoxification that can happen. Because this practice is quite powerful, it can really release that lifetime of sword stuff. And that is sometimes not very pretty. Sometimes people get sad and angry and headaches and fatigued and irritable. And sometimes they even feel like they're having the flu. Occasionally they'll puke and it's, it's not that enjoyable. 
And that's why it's really important to have some guidance through that. That's why we have a really robust online community with Ziva Online. And even for the book, you know, we've sold 30,000 copies of this book and I have a free online Facebook group for anyone, actually just anyone, but especially people who have bought the book. And so I'm in there, my Ziva teachers are in there, the team is in there helping people through this journey because it's not a joke. Like you purging a lifetime of trauma and stress, it can be really intense. That's why it's important to have support in place. But in the meditation portion, it doesn't feel all that profound. It's very, very simple. But the power in this practice comes from the simplicity. And then after the meditation portion, which in the online training is 15 minutes and in my live training is 20. After that, we got to keep our eyes closed for a few minutes at the end, basically to let your brain and your optic nerve kind of readjust to waking states of consciousness. And during that time is when we practice the manifesting. And manifesting to me simply means consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And so it's like you start planting very high quality seeds in this fertile soil where your brain is right at the end of the meditation, where the right and left hemispheres are functioning in unison. We're kind of dancing right in between that conscious and subconscious mind. And then that's really it. So it's like 15, it's really, it's 17 minutes twice a day because you're meditating for about 15 and then you have two minutes at the end for manifesting. And I did the math on it and I realized that it's a 2% investment in your day of like of 24 hours in a day, two 15-minute settings is 2%. And so the question becomes, are you willing to invest 2% of your day to make the other 98% more amazing? And I think when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, duh, of course I'll do that. But it's hard for people to even see or conceptualize taking 15 minutes twice a day because they can only see their lives or their schedules through the sort of stressy overwhelmed, overworked state of consciousness that they're in right now. Yeah, I can relate. When I first started meditating, it was really difficult to just get to my little meditation pod 10 minutes a day. And I remember just counting down the last five minutes or constantly opening my eyes to check the clock. But over time, I totally believe my brain has changed. Now it seems like 15 minutes just flies by and half the time I want to sit even longer. But what's really motivating for me is when my meditation practice is regular and on point, I notice a huge difference in the way I react to people or unexpected situations. I notice that I don't get sucked into social media as much. For example, I fell off the bandwagon a few weeks ago. I've just been super busy making all the excuses. And then suddenly I was noticing I would all of a sudden realize I had just spent the last 35 minutes scrolling on social media or I'd be constantly checking my phone like my brain needed the stimulation. But when I am meditating regularly, it almost calms it down. And those moments that I would think of as extreme boredom, if I'm not meditating, actually turn into my most peaceful moments. Like I'm able to accept just being and chilling out. (laughs) But I'm actually so thankful that we met and I got your book because it came to me at the perfect timing. It's almost like I needed a revamp in my meditation practice. And the way my brain works is it's just so helpful if I really understand the science and the why, what's actually happening beyond just theory. Do you get that a lot? 
Yes, I do. And I love hearing this. And people are like, I used to meditate and it was hard. It was frustrating. And now that I understand the science behind what it's actually doing, it's like, duh, of course I'm going to meditate. And then the magic really is in committing to it. It's like, it's not that hard. Well, I'm not going to say that. It's not complicated right? It's like, if you do it, you're gonna, your life is going to get better. Period. The end. It's like, no one's ever been like, God, I hate, I really regret meditating. I wish I didn't spend those years meditating. Like, you've never heard anyone say that ever. It's just like going to the gym. If you go to the gym, you're going to get stronger. It's not complicated, but what we have to get over is all of our stories and our lies that we tell ourselves. We have to get over our attachment to mediocrity and our illusion of safety in maintenance. And, and those are sometimes hard habits to break. And sometimes we're scared of how powerful we are. It's scary to know just how much agency we have over our own lives and how much divinity we hold inside of ourselves. And I think that really that's what meditation unlocks. So I'm really happy to hear that that's been your experience. Well, we've already gone over a lot today and we still have only touched on a fraction of all of the interesting facts in your book. I feel like so many books touch on meditation, but this is now going to be my go-to guide and what I give people when they want to learn to meditate. So first of all, thank you for creating this and putting it out there. Yay. Thank you. I will recap the entire technique for the listeners out there. But before I do, I want to get a little clarity on the mantra. What you recommend in your book is to have a mantra. And it's not an affirmation or a full sentence. It's one word. In the book, you provide a universal mantra, which I really think was a great choice, but it's the word one. But you also mentioned coming up with a personal mantra. Do you have any tips for creating a personalized mantra that feels right for you? Yes. So this has been a big topic of conversation in the Ziva tribe, which is our Facebook group that's open to anyone. And people are like, oh, just invent your own mantra. And I actually use some language in the book where I say, close your eyes and let the mantra bubble up. And I wish that I had, because it's your first time creating something and you don't know, besides my editor and my agent, no one read the book until it was out there. But there's been a little bit of confusion around that where people think that, oh, you just close your eyes and then just whatever bubbles up, that that's your mantra, that you could somehow just like invent your own mantra. Unicorn. Yeah, like <laughs> scooby doo doo And so I do not recommend or advise or condone anybody just like inventing their own mantra with the exception of maybe very small children. Like kids are so much closer to this source energy than we are. And my kids course is like an hour and a half. I can teach kids so much faster than I can teach adults. But point of the story is I don't recommend that people just invent their own mantras. Like these things are not random. They're not arbitrary. The mantras that I give in Ziva Live, so that's our, our face-to-face training, these are 6,000-year-old primordial sounds, and it is actually the sound quality of the mantra that de-excites the nervous system. It's like the key that operates the car. And so the magic is in both getting the right key for the right car and then understanding the effortlessness that surrounds it. That's one way to get your own personalized mantra. And then I gave, as you said, like a universal mantra in the book, and that's by design. So remember when I was talking about the whole detox process that happens for people, like I gave a universal mantra that I thought would be safe enough and gentle enough for people, no matter where they are on the anxiety spectrum, on the depression spectrum, on the trauma spectrum. And I think it's better to start slow and kind of build your way up. And then in Ziva Online, what I do is that I teach people a protocol on how to choose a mantra from a curated list of what feels most charming. But the thing is, like, once you kind of plant that seed, you want to let it stay underground because the whole point of them is not to repeat or focus or chant 
just like putting a key in a car. The point is not to keep grinding the key in the ignition, but you do have to have the right key for the right car. But then once you put the right key in, you let it go. So it's getting a little bit in the weeds, but I don't really recommend that people invent their own mantra. It's like, if you really want to dive in and you want your own mantra, you should learn face to face with someone because it's like getting in a Maserati. You're not going to give the keys to a Maserati to a 15 year old who doesn't know how to drive because it's not really safe for them or anyone around them. (laughs) And your friends and family are going to be like, what's going on with you? (laughs) I don't think meditation is for you. (laughs) Okay, let's recap. This method of meditation is so simple, yet it encompasses bits and pieces of all of the most powerful parts of meditation. So the first part is mindfulness, and the mindfulness portion only lasts two to three minutes tops. The whole purpose is just to help you go from chaos mode and actually be able to sink into stillness. In the book, Emily calls this portion, come to your senses, because it's all about getting in touch with our senses. And it's both grounding and really helpful for tuning into the present moment. You go through each of the senses one by one, starting with sound. I think a lot of us have been taught that sound is a distraction and to try to tune it out completely, but that's not really very realistic. So here, what you'll do is you will focus on the most prominent sound that you can hear, and then tune into the softest sound you can hear, the one that's barely there. Then you move to the next sense, the strongest taste in your mouth then the lightest taste in your mouth, the strongest scent that you smell. Do you sense any smells that are a little bit more delicate? What do you see even though your eyes are closed? What's prominent and then what's subtle? And then finally, what do you feel? Is it your butt sitting on the chair, your feet planted on the ground? Now what's subtle? Is it the light breeze of the air, the softness of your clothes against your skin? Now after you've done that, you should be settled into the present moment. And now for the next 13 to 14 minutes is your meditation portion. And here you will focus on your one word mantra. In the book, she uses the word one. Just softly repeat that in your mind. One, one, one. Now naturally, you will get off track and your thoughts will start to drift. You'll follow a random train of thought. But the moment you realize you're off track, you just gently guide yourself back to the mantra. One. One, one. After about 15 minutes, you'll start to come out of your meditation. And during this time, your mind is the most fertile. Joe Dispenza talks about these moments. It's right after meditation when you've cleared your mind a little bit, or right when you wake up, or right when you're going to bed, is the perfect time to start manifesting. Now, this is really just creating anchors and focal points in your mind for the things you want to achieve and create in your reality. Focus on the specifics and the feeling of how it would feel if you already had these things in your possession. Envision your life and most importantly, how it would feel and try to amplify the feelings of that reality already being created. And then you're done. No tools needed. I've actually found that it's pretty easy waking up in the morning on my very first alarm sound when I know that all I have to do is roll out of bed into a seated position. It's almost like sleeping in, sitting up. So you recommend 15 minutes twice a day, which I love because it's so much better to actually sit there and just center yourself than having another cup of coffee at 2.30 p.m. But are there benefits to meditating more or certain situations where we should take a little bit more time for ourselves? 
I think as a general rule for like 98% of the people, 98% of the time, and you know, depending on the efficacy of the mantra that you're using, I think about 15 minutes twice a day is great. And that's not going to launch you into like a pool of emotional and physical detox. that's too overwhelming where you can't handle it. And you're going to see real improvements in your life. Now, times that you would do it more would be like if you were on a retreat, you know, sometimes we'll do meditation retreats and we'll take your car keys and your cell phone and just rip the bandaid and we just let it rip <laughs> and people just go and they meditate lots and lots, but then a whole lifetime, decades of stuff can start to surface. And so it's really important that you have enough support around and in place for that. We have also lavender oil pumping through and my dog licking away people's tears and people making fart jokes. It's a really safe environment to go through that kind of purge. And then times that you could do it less would be, you know, like when I was postpartum, like for a month after I had my son, I didn't meditate because it was just an extraordinarily high demand time. And my body almost needed to be in fight or flight because I was in such extreme pain. And so I stopped meditating. I was also so sleep deprived. That's not everyone's postpartum journey. Mine was just, I had a string of physical complications. While it sucked when I was in it, I'm kind of glad that it happened because when I share that story of like me, Emily Fletcher has been meditating for 11 years. I've taught 17,000 people to meditate. I quit meditating, (laughs) you know, like this year I quit meditating. And I think it's just liberating for folks who are like, it's not about having a perfect meditation record. It's like you put all these deposits in the bank account so that you can make with withdrawals in these extraordinary times in life. But after my son was a month old, I started meditating about once a day. And then when I went back to work two months later, I started meditating twice a day. Oh, the other times you could do it more would be like if you're flying or sick or pregnant or not sleeping. So anytime you're under an increase in physical demand, then you can do a little bit more meditation. But again, I think that you just want to have some guidance around that. Another point that I find interesting about the Ziva meditation is that you actually don't recommend setting a timer to end your meditation. Mm -hmm. You recommend training your internal clock. Why is that? Is it just to become more self-sufficient in meditation? The thing that now this is specifically for Ziva, right? And because you're using the mantra, because it's so powerfully de-exciting the nervous system and inducing this deep healing rest, if you were to set an alarm to bring you up and out of that, it can create what I call the meditation bends. So you're like in scuba diving, if you come up too fast, you get the bends, which is just basically not letting your body acclimate to the surface pressure of the ocean. And the same thing can happen in meditation. Now the meditation bends looks like headaches and irritability. And it's basically because you're shocking your optic nerve in your brain, but they don't have pain receptors. So the way that they tell you is about 30 minutes later, you start having headaches and irritability. So in order to avoid that, one thing we don't do is we don't set an alarm because you don't want to be like dancing on the cusp of some deep state of consciousness and then like, and then right at 15 minutes, it jerks you up and out because it's just too abrupt. They're too alarming. And you're not going to get the full benefits of your meditation if you afterwards for 30 minutes to an hour, you have headaches and irritability. That's like the opposite of the point. And this people freak themselves out like, but how, what if I go long and what if I fall asleep? And so what I recommend is that people set an alarm. So if you're going to do a 15 minute meditation, you can set an alarm for like 22 minutes or even like 19 minutes. Like you can just set it as a safety net or a backup plan so that you're not panicked about the time and so you don't sleep through your whole day of meetings. But it's very, very rare. If you spend the time actually getting trained and your teacher teaches the difference between sleep and meditation, 
it's very rare that you fall asleep. I've done like seven or 8,000 meditations and I've fallen asleep maybe once. And so it's possible, but it's very unlikely. Now, a lot of people think that they're falling asleep and so they think they need an alarm, but what actually they're falling into is that bliss field, that Taria, that fourth state of consciousness where the body is getting that deep healing rest. What they don't know yet is just that the mind is simultaneously very alert. So you don't really have to be concerned about oversleeping your whole day. So now you have this super successful career, you have a new child, you have a book coming out, you run your own company. How do you handle your stress and overwhelm now compared to that girl who was stressed out, juggling multiple acting roles, going gray at 27? It's funny thinking that you're actually juggling more things now, yet I've met you in person and you just have this presence about you. Yeah. It's a different type of demand, you know, like understudying on Broadway, it's a very acute, you know, like being on stage in a leotard with 3000 people looking at you and not being able to hit the note or hit the, it's a very acute fear versus now you're right. I certainly have more on my plate. I have a whole team of people that are full-time employees whose health insurance and retirement and all that like depends on me. And I have a baby now and a husband and you know, we're moving next week and my audience is bigger. And, and people say that, you know, fame doesn't change you. It makes you more you. And I'm not saying that I'm famous, but I certainly have more of a following as Emily Fletcher than I did as an actress. And it just, they say that it highlights things about you. So it's like if you're neurotic and then more people know who you are, you become like more neurotic. You know? <laughs> or, um, or if you're insecure, it's like you become more insecure. So it's not like fame is not a solution to anything. I have found the meditation has allowed me to more be a vessel for teaching and knowledge to flow through me versus when I wasn't meditating and I was still acting, I think I was doing it sometime, not all the time, but sometimes from a place of neediness or like seeking validation or wanting approval. So I would make it about me, my insecurities and my ego would get in the way. And so I would be performing from a place of like, is this good? Do you like me? Will you hire me? And just that neediness, which is never attractive. And now, and I think this happens for everyone, but it's like when you start meditating, you start flooding your own brain and body with dopamine and serotonin. You start accessing your own fulfillment in the only place that it resides, which is inside of you. Then you can approach everything in your life from a place of how can I deliver my fulfillment to this thing versus how can I fill myself up from this thing? So it's like the meditation transitions you from being neediness looking to be fulfilled and moves you into fulfillment looking for need. And that I think is the kind of the not so secret to success of like looking at every situation from what can I contribute? How can I give versus what can I take? How can I let this validate me? And I, we actually made t-shirts. There's a thing in the book where I say detachment is sexy. Neediness is not. I made a joke about it in the book, but I actually made them. <laughs> so we have t-shirts now that say detachment is sexy on the front and neediness is not on the back. Because it's like no one wants to hire a desperate person. No one wants to date a desperate person. No one wants to co-found a company with a desperate person. But if someone's like confident and detached and they just have that like X factor and they feel like a, a head of schedule and present, everyone wants to hire and date and found companies with those people. And I think that meditation is really the fast track to having that X factor. I love what you said about finding fulfillment first and then finding the need. It's really a testament to how 
what we use as medicine for ourselves becomes the medicine that we share with the world. So for the listeners out there that are at that point of trying to take their passion and what lights them up and creating their message or their empire, what tips do you have? Or what was the process of making that leap towards success? Well, I'm one of those people that if I find something that works for me, I can't help but share it with people. Before this, I found this amazing therapist. Uh, His name is Thomas Jones. He started something called the Paradox Process, and it really, really helped me. And so I was sort of evangelical about that. And then I found meditation and it really helped me. And so I became evangelical about that. And I'm using the term evangelical kind of jokingly. I don't think you can actually be evangelical about meditation. You can't make anybody meditate. (laughs) Sadly, I wish I could, but I can't. But before I was ever a teacher, I kept like six or seven meditation teachers afloat with so many referrals. I was like, you guys have to try this. It's just, I'm the type of person that when it works for me, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. And so I had gotten so many of my friends and family to learn, not even with me, but with other teachers. And so I created this sort of tribe of meditators around me before I even had my own practice. And I think just seeing their lives change. And to be honest, I thought that I would still act and teach meditation at the same time. That was my intention when I started. I was like, oh, well, when acting is slow, I'll teach more. If teaching is slow, I'll act more. But it very quickly became clear where nature wanted to use me. Like my agents would ask me like, hey, Emily, can we get more headshots and resumes? And I'd be like, sure. And then three months would go by and I would never have brought them any headshots or resumes. But meanwhile, like I taught 300 people to meditate. And so finally, I just took stock of like where I was actually putting my time and attention. And I was like, oh, it looks like my body already knows what my mind hasn't yet realized. I was voting very clearly with my attention on the meditation. Like I was prioritizing that. And then when I finally like quit acting for real, it was such a dramatic change. It's like when I went all in on Ziva, then the return on investment got even greater. And honestly, it never really even felt like I was steering the ship. It was just always trying to listen for how nature wanted to use me. Now, it's a co-creation. You know, I don't believe in total fatalism, but I also don't think that we're controlling things. I think it's 50-50. You know, it's like 50% left brain individuality and 50% right brain totality. And I think real mastery lies in knowing when you're driving and when nature's driving and like when you need to lean in or lean back. And I think that I've gotten pretty good at, and I don't know, I attribute that largely to meditation of like when I need to like hustle and grind and when I need to just surrender and see what shows up. I love that. And I agree completely. I have obviously worked so hard with what I've created at Mind Love. But for the most part, because it's what I love and because I light up when I'm doing it, it hasn't really felt like work. Plus, I really believe it's so in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing that it's the difference from feeling like I was always swimming upstream before, like everything was such a struggle to now I'm just floating with the current. So thank you so much for your contribution to this world and you're sharing your story with us. It's been so inspiring. Like I said, I have been using Ziva meditation and I love it. So for the listeners who are also resonating with you, where's the best place to connect? So the book is available basically anywhere books are sold. It's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And I'm really, really proud of it. And the technique in the book, you know, it's changing people's lives. And it's certainly like the most accessible way to to learn this thing. And then if people want to learn about the online training or the live training, you can just go to Ziva, that's Z-I-V-A meditation.com. And you can find both the live and the online trainings there. 
And then we're all over social media, just at Ziva Meditation. Well, thank you so much again. And listeners, I do highly recommend this book, especially if you want to up your meditation game, you want to understand more, actually finally be able to create a habit. The way Emily explains things in her book is not only interesting and educational, but it's also kind of fun and relatable. Not to mention, she is just such an authentic, real person who lights up a room if you meet her. Oh, thank you so much. That really means a lot. And I'm so glad we got to meet in person. And it's an honor to be on here. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for tuning in for yet another amazing week. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 076, including the link to Emily's book, Stress Less, Accomplish More. It really is worth the read. As I mentioned earlier, the best ways to support this show are to leave a review, support our sponsors, or share the podcast. So if Mind Love provides value in your life, that is the best way to give back. Also, I'm ramping up my IGTV game. I'm going to be posting a lot more often, so think of them kind of like mini episodes, just targeted to one specific question. You know, bite-sized brain hacks for dreamers, seekers, and doers. Oh wait, that's just my theme song. So definitely find me at MindLoveMelissa on Instagram. I actually set a mini goal to do 30 IGTVs in 30 days, and like three days later, I completely lost my voice for, for like four days. So now I've got to hop back on, the 30 days is resetting, but it's going to be fun, so I'll see you there. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.